All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Operation Limitless. I'm Brett Lechtenberg here with Sal Rossano, Bill Schiffenauer, and our other cohort, Mark Peterson's off somewhere gallivanting along the globe. So uh, he'll join us if he can. This is the show where you hear directly from the people who are at the top 1% in the world at what they do. We focus on how average people created incredible triumphs through confidence, grit, and determination on a quest for personal mastery. The goal of this show is to uncover the commonalities of these incredible human beings and build a model by which others can replicate to lead a limitless life. We focus on self-control, personal mastery, and flow. So Team Limitless uh, is here, and today we have the honor of being with Chief Fred Ross. Uh, thanks for being in the house, Chief. We appreciate having you here. And this is where the crowd goes wild, and all that background stuff is infused in. And That's perfect time for it, right? Right. Not, not even Mr. Ross. Chief. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Chief. That's right. And yeah. we also are on the... Uh, like to say we're on the Resilience Talk Radio Network with our producer, Bad Brad Newfeld, who's, there he is, chiming in. So we're excited to have you today, Chief. And Sal, Thank since you. Uh, you were here, I'm going to let you and the Chief kind of kick it off. Yeah, absolutely. Big uh, Chief Fred Ross. Like, I met Fred back coaching football. And so he's kind of been a little bit of a mentor. Well, not a little bit, a lot of a mentor in, in coaching little guys to, you know, in sports and then, when I got hired on by the police force, Salt Lake City, Fred was, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he's a big coach, and, and as far as helping me get that through that too. So, um, <laughs> yeah, look, he's he's already <laughs> left, right? <laughs> <laughs> he drove you right out yeah. of there, didn't he? <laughs> um, no, I got a lot of respect for Fred. Fred is uh, he's got his hands on a lot of things. He's a busy man, but most importantly, um, Fred's probably someone that gives back to the community more than anybody I've ever seen. Um, awesome. And his desire to help the underdog is exemplary on so many levels and honestly he's a leadership leader in that in that world that all of us could could probably emulate um i don't want to steal his story but just like all the rest of our guests fred comes from a, a very humble background um where you know he he fought the odds and did what he did and got where he was by you know that drive that it factor that we're all searching for so chief i don't want to steal too much of the thunder but um, if you don't mind, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and where you started from and all that good stuff. Wow, Doc, uh, it's a good thing we've got the afternoon, right? No. Um, <laughs> for sure. After listening to some of the podcasts, thank you guys. And first of all, thank all of you for the opportunity to be here today. What a what an honor. Man, I after I finally, the third attempt to finish listening to, to Docs, as I refer to them, I'm like, what the hell? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not in that. I'm not in that league. But uh, anyway, nonetheless, he twisted my arm, and and I'm here. Casual. Thank you for that opportunity. It's Saturday. Um, wow. A little bit of my story. Um, raised in a single parent uh, home. Um, well, I don't know if I'd even say home. My parents were divorced when I was, when I was eight, youngest of five, um, and. Uh, they were divorced when, when I was eight, and uh, my mother kind of went out and said, all right, well, I got to do something for our, ourselves. So we probably moved to the, one of the coolest neighborhoods um, around at the time. This was Granger back then, which is West Valley today. Um, we moved to Westcrest Mobile Home Park. <laughs> Sweet. Nice. And uh, we lived in a Westcrest Mobile Home Palatial Estates. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. very much so. It was a brand new 1970. I don't know. I don't know the year. What was it? 
that was eight uh, 75 uh, Broadmoor 14 by 72 with uh, green and white. Nice. See, Matt know he knows those. I grew I, up I, in one of those, sir. I grew up in one it of looks, those. It looks like my 79 Buick that's sitting outside. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it was it was the place. I had we had our own pool. And so did everybody else in the community, but was there water in there? Yes. Okay. Yes. It wasn't clean. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was, if it was clean, but damn, it was a it was an ex, it was great as a as a kid. Um, the the streets through there were windy, and it was it was awesome. So, yeah, lived there. Um, you know, growing up, and uh, as a, at a very young age, I was blessed with a little height, um, and. Uh, I found sports. Um, that was my that was my outlet, and uh, to escape some of the things, you know, my father was very uh, non-existent in my life, and uh, never I couldn't get him to go to the gym with me to, you know, shoot hoops or anything. And so I took it upon myself with my little uh, rubber Wilson that I got um, as a present. To, you know, I really took a liking to, to basketball, football, baseball, the you know the basic threes, and. Um, but the odds were stacked against me, you know. All my friends and they—they they had the newest cleats, gloves, you know, all that shit. And I kind of um, just said, "Well, screw you. You—you you wear the best. I'm going to wear the same cleats for, you know, football and baseball for three years, and I'll just tape my toes up." And so sports was a big, big part of getting me to where I was, where I was at, um, you know. Um, Played with all the older kids and and stuff, and and then there came a, a little stumbling block when I was 17. Um, I was a big jock at the high school, um, and there was this beautiful girl. Well, uh, how many how many stories have started with that? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, how, how many um, stories are still ending with that? <laughs> ending with that, yes. <laughs> that yes. and that and hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, um, you know. Uh, backing up, I started working when I was 12. Um, would ride the bus downtown. I was washing dishes at an Italian restaurant, making money because I had an infatuation with Nike shoes. And uh, now, you know, I got Flintstone feet, so I have to wear Adidas, a wider toe box. <laughs> um, but anyway, getting back to back to that, you know, young kids, um, you spend too much time together, things happen, and and I became a father at 17. And, and let me tell you, that was a, a turning point in my life because my friends disowned me. Um, I was essentially treated like I had the plague. This was in, the, you know, 1984, 1985 um, time frame. And, and it, was, it was trying. But uh, fortunately or unfortunately, um, you know, we, uh, we never did marry. And uh, from there, I, I started... I had the opportunity to go to college and, and play basketball and, and unfortunately that put an end to end to that and uh, so I started wondering what what do I want to do in life and uh, I got into motorcycles um, didn't have a leather vest but sport bikes right and uh, did that for a while um, thought maybe this is the maybe this is a path of become a, a motorcycle mechanic and uh, and make money there the guys that would come into the shop, they were cops because they had all this discretionary income to spend. I started talking to them and went on a couple ride-alongs with them, and I'm like, "Whoa, shit! This is this is all right." <laughs> <laughs> you get out of the car, you get to chase people. 
you know, five minutes and what seemed like five minutes was five hours. And next thing you know, it's time to go home. I'm like, I'm, shit, I'm down with this. <laughs> Sold every worldly, worldly asset that I had and uh, put myself in the police academy. Um, it was pretty interesting. I started the academy at the community college like a lot of people do that are self-sponsored. But I got kind of frustrated because... You know, I'd leave work early, change in the bathroom, you know, where the mechanics did, you know, the, the, the community college, and the instructors were always late. It took many years to figure out why they were late, because they were all, you know, detectives and shit, and they stuff would happen, <laughs> and they'd have to go out, and then they would be late. But I was kind of discouraged, because I was really focused on what I was doing. So I applied to the day academy. They called me, and they said, Mr. Ross? I said, yeah, and they're like, uh, we can't accept it. I said, what do you mean? I said, do you remember getting your license suspended? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, what had happened was. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was a hold my beer thing. There was a girl and she held my yeah, beer. This, this, was, this was, man, I was like. So I had to go before the post council explaining my situation. Well, if you're under 21 back then and you get two tickets, right, you, then you're, and you don't go and appear with your parent, which I was never going to tell my mother this, right, then they automatically suspend it. Well, fortunately, I had another girlfriend at the time and drove me around, and they let me in, and the the rest is kind of kind of history. So that's how I got into into policing. I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. Tell us about you've got quite a. I mean, reading your bio and, and talking with Sal, you've got quite a distinguished career. You did quite a few things. Kind of lead us through that journey because I found that to be quite interesting. <laughs> 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 Little ADD, right? <laughs> you know, my whole life, I I've, you know, have such a variety of, of interest and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm looking around here at the studio. I'm like, these are cool microphones. I, I Man, this is this is cool. I could see myself doing this um, upon retirement. So, Brad, you've got a protege well, working right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, this hey, is, lock these things up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my wife would kill me if I started doing something else now. Um, I started my career in South Jordan. They hired me right as I finished the academy and uh, spent a year there. The sergeant, uh, I just finished my associate's degree, started, thank goodness, to the U.S. government in a Pell Grant, um, going to the community college right out of high school. Wasn't quite the college that I envisioned because I went at night because I was working full-time and everybody was 35 or older, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Where are all the girls? <laughs> <laughs> they were there. They were just 35 and older. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said, Fred, if you want to keep going to school, you got to go to work for my dad. And I was automatically looking for the, you know, the joke. And he's like, no, he's a, he's a chief at the University of Utah. So I went up there, and then my lieutenant went up there, because if you go to school or if you work full-time at the University of Utah, you get 50% off your tuition. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a pretty magical equation for me. Um, it took me five years to finish two and a half years of school, but <laughs> nonetheless, right? Again, there were a lot of girls there. Um, had the opportunity, you know, there to, to, to work narcotics, and, and it was a modern-day 21 Jump Street. Um, Sweet. I went to school um, in my classes and to for my own degree, but I was also there to make contacts to buy dope. Um, and uh, it was a great, great opportunity. But after five years there, I quickly outgrew it and said, man, I got to go someplace else. It was just the onset of the Internet. You couldn't get on and search for anything. They made, published this big book of police departments and, 
it was uh, a number of departments here, Salt Lake or Los Angeles. You know, hmm. y'all, well, maybe not you, but we all remember the Rockford Files, right? Oh, yeah. Man, I, I, I was going to live on a boat, work for LAPD, have a dog, and that was going to be the end of the story. You were going to have that gold Firebird. Yeah, right? I was going to yeah. say, what yeah. about the Firebird or the Camaro, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was going to ride a mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> mountain bike surfboard on it. Salt Lake City called and said, hey, we got a spot for you. And uh, two weeks before my academy date in L.A., and I said, why start over? Um, and, of course, the, the beautiful girl I was dating at the time, she said, I'm not going to L.A. So I stayed, and, and uh, she's a great um, pillar in our community today. And, and uh, so I, I stayed there for a number of years and worked a number of assignments. Never, never, never had a desire to to be anything more than a, uh, a hard nose go catch the bad guy detective um, and then you know some influences said no you need to be a leader and kind of taught me the ropes there and it was a struggle I think we were coaching together when I yeah. was testing for lieutenant yeah, um, we were. and that was quite the quite the coaching process. at like the high school Juan Diego is that where you well were? little league little yeah league. Our, okay. our boys and uh, so I promoted up and and had the opportunity to um, kind of be mentored by a guy, many of you probably heard the name, um, Chief Chris Burbank in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, he saw something in me that even my wife didn't, I guess. And, and uh, <laughs> I would, became his executive officer and then eventually became promoted to deputy chief. And, and, uh, and then he said, you know what, don't stop. And I said, what do you mean? He says, the sky's the limit. He says, there's places all over America looking for leaders like you and and uh, you know my current agency I won't mention them for um, but they called and I found out that they were on a different retirement system you can mention the agency if you want to we yeah it's the Utah Transit Authority okay. um, 83 uh, staff um, which is pretty large outside of UHP we're the largest geographic department in the state we cover from Brigham City and through about seven counties and and oodles of, of cities, and it's a great uh, it's a great place. It's got to be a lot to coordinate. It's got to it, take some great logistical and leadership skills to do that. Yeah, it is. Um, but being on a different retirement, I was like, you mean I can draw my pension and you're still going to pay me? <laughs> huh, I'm there. And fortunately, what makes that so easy is 80% of the officers that, that work there with me are all retirees as well. Sure. you know 20 30 year guys and mm -hmm. it it makes my life very very easy so that's kind of my story in a in a nutshell i guess well um so why don't you you've told us some interesting stories and things so oh please hey, keep wait. <laughs> yeah no, no pressure um <laughs> stories <Yeah. laughs> um, no and, and you know when fred says it makes his job easier you know he, he doesn't have the rookies like me that were making mistakes that he had to discipline <laughs> and teach and mentor but no, uh, one of the things, and hopefully he'll bring it up, when he talks about living in the, in the trailer the trailer park or the, I don't even know how you say it, but um, there's a lot more to it. Condominium on wheels. There you go. Yeah. There's a lot more Boy, adversity that, you know, he shared with me that I would ask that he share with everybody as far as, you know, struggles him and his mom and family had, and if that's okay. Um, but I think that it, the biggest thing that I take away from, from Fred is just the adversity and his willingness to give back even to kids mm -hmm. and people that are down on his luck. And that for me, again, that, that's that's a trait that, you know, 
and not to not to switch it to Bill, but Bill, I mean, it's the same thing with your your junior high school coach, right? If that guy didn't say something to change your life, where would you be now, right? I would have only thrown the javelin probably 180. <laughs> <laughs> But For those of you yeah, new I to the I podcast, have found that out, man. I should have found that out. <laughs> Eventually, everybody's watching this. They're going to hear the javelin joke all the time. Uh, now, For, the, now for those of you new to the podcast, <laughs> we can't have an episode without Bill and a javelin story. So, just <laughs> no, I mean you're absolutely right. You know, you you have certain mentors in your life that uh, are the pivot point of your career, and and they also help set and build that foundation for what you're going to do then and for the future. And and for me. You know, anytime I have an opportunity to give back, I do based off of because of what I see other people going through. And I know what it feels like to suffer. I know what it feels like to starve and go without. And not only go without, you're going without knowing that you're going without and there's nothing you can do about it at the time. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you just want to give back and try to help change the world in any way, shape that you can. And so, Fred, if you're okay with it, I mean, some of the adversity you share with me, yeah. I don't know if you're okay sharing that. But. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's a whole whole laundry list. We'll go back to the swimming pool, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 like going to Miami for Easter break, right? That was my Easter break. And, and mm-hmm. uh, my sister and I, she's a few years older than me. We still joke about it today, how you had to run home and get home. And actually, mom, so mom would think, you know, we knew exactly when she'd be walking. Because she rode the bus, right? We had a 72 Cutlass, old Cutlass uh, Supreme. And... She was. She didn't want to put miles on it. Well, now, why would you? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I wish I had that car today. Exactly. Now, needless to say, so she she would walk probably five blocks um, every morning um, at about five thirty to catch the the bus, and she would ride it about four miles to a, a sewing factory where she was kind of a uh, semi supervisor slash uh, quality control type thing, and she made peanuts, man absolutely peanuts you know i tell my kids you want some applesauce and toast they're like what the hell is <laughs> well that was a, a mainstay because it was cheap right and it was yeah. i like it I, I would i still eat it today my wife thought i was crazy the first time but and you know you make your own uh, cereal mm-hmm. um some toast a little vanilla and some sugar if you had sugar in the house if not the vanilla was okay by itself <laughs> so we didn't we didn't have that i mean those of you that grew up in, in Utah, D's, you know, Wednesdays, that was the big day. That was payday for mom. And we, every other week or maybe once a month, maybe, we got to go down to D's and sit at the counter. And, and they had those onion burgers for 25 cents a piece. Shit, what I wouldn't get for one of those today. <laughs> I've never um, had one of those. Have you experienced a D's onion burger? No, but I've recently... <laughs> My girlfriend and I the other day, we're, we were out uh, car shopping, and we're driving late at night, and we passed, there was a D's, and I was like, I didn't even know D's were still open. <laughs> I and, didn't either. <laughs> no, just, yeah. So we're thinking, ah, let's go check it out, because we haven't been to a D's since we were little kids, and, and just thinking, like, this is probably a bad idea. It was the best food I've had in a long time, shockingly. Wow. So nice yeah. plug for D's there. Yeah, there you go, D's. I'll yeah. expect a check in the mail soon. <laughs> so very, very, you know, very, very humble. But I start, like I said, I started working um, at, when I was 12, washing dishes and worked my way up to, a, to the, the bread cook, if there's such a thing, and then a cook. And, and then I, I, you know, I knew I had to, to learn the value of, of work at a young age so I could get, have some of the, the things that I, that I wanted to um, it's funny, I was talking with somebody the other day um, when you had asked me to do this. My, 
um, and she grew up, she's a few years older than me, a couple years, but um, we were talking just about how we grew up out there in that area. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I wouldn't change not growing up having a father for a million bucks because it gave me that drive and and kind of um, almost a, in an inner anger to prove to everybody that I could I could accomplish what they were doing um, with a two parent family. But anyway, so those struggles, Doc, they were they were real. They were alive. But I wasn't the only one, right? Sure. We. Many of us in that in that time, um, some of my best friends had those same struggles. And uh, as I was talking to her about this, I said, "Yeah, I said, God, I, fried bologna. You ever had fried bologna? <laughs> well, that was my, that was a mainstay from my my friend's place, right? And because uh, they they we we weren't LDS, but they you know they they had some struggles as well. And you could they could go to the Bishop's Storehouse, I think it was called. And uh, man, they always had." Fresh bologna and fried bologna, man. It, it, you'd fry it up and it it looked like a sailor's hat when you With got butter. done. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it was butter or what, margarine or what, but dang, that was good. And then this this peanut butter that they made in these cans, they're big old gallon cans, but it was almost I don't know if it was because it was old or what, but it almost had like a honey in it as well. Oh man, I could just eat that like. That's nutrition so, yeah, so there was some there's some very very trying times. I mean, I being a big kind of skinny skinny tall kid, yeah, I got bullied from time to time, and uh, but I I knew the way I could get it back was put me on the baseball field, you know. And I remember friends, you know, in the dugout. Um, when I say friends, I don't know, but. Kids that I played against um, just jipping and jabbing at me from the dugout. Some real, real negative things, you know, uh, about me. And I'm like, you some bitch, get the first base. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'd throw hard if I got to the mound, you know, and sometimes I'd throw directly toward them. <laughs> um, nobody it's ever called got brushing them back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Push them back out that, that box a little bit. But yeah, it was, Doc, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't change it for for anything because it, that was that kind of shaped who who I who I am today. And there is you know was mentioned. There's two men in my life. Um, one um, I'm not sure if he's still here. Um, and his name is Ron Perkins. He used to drive an old uh, green Chevy pickup, and he's the one that that first started uh, one of my first early baseball coaches. Drove an old Chevy pickup. Was a tile setter. Today, um, DCFS would have been called because he'd pick me up and drive me home every day from from practice. You know, today that that's unheard of. But no, you you couldn't. And people would have thought different of of him back then. But that man. And then he then he introduced me to basketball. He's like Fred. Why don't you play? I, like, I don't know. So he introduced me to it. And that guy, man, he he helped me um, immensely. And then. As I got to, to high school through that very, very trying time, there's a man by the name of Ed Gray, and uh, I'd give my life for him tomorrow. He saved my life, um, and he uh, picked me up and got me out of trouble so many times I couldn't even, yeah. Well, and I think that'll bring Brett to his question about turning points, but I'll, I'll let him do it, but 
obviously there's a lot of a lot of meat and stuff right there as far as the kind of things you've gone through. But um, Brett, you want to ask that question that you usually ask with this? <laughs> yeah. So, kind of, a, I think Sal kind of explained to you the the mission of Operation Limitless and our team is finding people's uh, underlying passion, helping determine what helped them achieve, attaining confidence, and finding defining moments. And it sounds like you've had a few of those defining moments. And, and I'm just wondering if you could share, was there one or two defining moments in your life? You've already sounded like there's a couple of people already. You named three. Um, was there a defining moment when you realized you really had a gift for police work? You had, a, you had a defining moment where you made that change based on something that was happening at the moment where things could have went dramatically different for you. You could have been doing a lot of illegal <laughs> like things. The, and doing like, like the rest stuff. of my classmates. <laughs> <laughs> right. Things could have went dramatically different as oh, for yeah. all of us here. Um, did you have a defining moment or more than one? Many, many, many. Obviously becoming a father at 17. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, the the struggles that that brought with me throughout life right pretty hard to to uh to meet somebody and and uh you know in the dating scene when i was after that and because they didn't it was man i was like they thought i had the plague back in the in the 80s that was a defining moment but it it was also the defining moment to me that said yeah my mac is up against the wall but i'm not going to i'm, I'm not going to let this beat me mm -hmm. um, i'm going to perse persevere and when it comes to police work, all those those lessons um, that I learned outside of life, that's why I encourage Doc to, to get into the profession because he had so many life experiences. Those are the type of uh, police officers that we need on the street, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need any golden you know, spoon uh, kids straight out of Yale. No, mm -hmm. we need guys that have real life experience sure. and, and have experienced trials and tribulations so they can they can understand what these people are going through. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it was a defining moment, but I met a, a, a young man, not a, I call him a young man, but uh, in my, my job with the, the police department, probably, gosh, maybe eight years ago, just wandered. I, had, I was over the uh, downtown Rio Grande district at the time, 2014, and uh, I was running a program called Job a Day helping those that were on the street um, queuing up to get in the shelter every day. If they wanted to go to work, I was going to find them a job. And my goal was find one person a job every day, beyond successful. And this this young man, he wanted to go to work one day. And uh, make a long story short, he had spent 20-something years in federal prison, um, was in prison with Whitey Bulger, if that name rings a bell. Oh, yeah. And... He came here because um, his sister lived here in Utah, was on a compact from, from Colorado, and this was right before Christmas. Unfortunately, she lost her, her husband, um, and she said, I can't, I can't do this. Um, you're going to need to make some other arrangements. He gets kicked out of the halfway house that he was in um, because he has an argument with somebody. And uh, after he had asked to stay longer because he wanted to get things straightened out, right? Mm -hmm. So they kick him out, don't give him any options, which is absolutely absurd to me. He's walking downtown, and he sees the post office. He's, he doesn't know what in the hell to do. He sees the post office, figures, hey, that's a federal building. If I throw a rock through it, what's going to happen? Shit, I'm going back to the joint. Three hots and a cut. Right? Yeah. I'm going back to the joint. And 
I guess after you spend 20 years in prison, um, he runs into a, a young lady and she starts talking to him. And I still don't know who this young lady was, but she knew who I was and what I represented. And she said, you need to go see this man tomorrow. And he did. And we're still very good friends today. I had to go in for front of a federal magistrate and tell him after he got picked up because he went to work one day instead of going to see this PO officer is what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> he, they violated him, picked him up, and put him in jail. I went to see him, got him out, had to sit and testify in front of a federal magistrate to get him out. And the guy is a father of two young boys now, owns his own home, is doing beyond successful. That's when I really knew all these life experiences that I have, giving back, that's... That was a concrete win, yeah. if you will. No, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, I never had the pleasure of working with Fred directly because he, I think he was transitioning when I actually when I was on the street. But <laughs> I was like, if Doc's coming, I'm leaving. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we feel that but, way a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But my understanding of how Fred was was that he was the he was the historical cop that would see kids fighting. And this is the image of a cop in my mind. And instead of taking him to jail, he'd take him to the boxing gym. And that, that raised a lot of controversy, I think. But in the end, if you look at what's out on the street right now, I think we need more of, of Fred's mentality and Fred's policing techniques back then. Um, compassion is so much more powerful than actual, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stick. And mm-hmm. so uh, those of you guys out there in limitless land, that's um, I think Fred is, is probably, you know, one of the few that still understand helping somebody is more powerful than than hurting them so so it sounds like you kind of made that was kind of a passion project for you helping people that would have been easy to just throw them to the wolves so to speak with the system but help them get on their own two feet was that accurate oh absolutely doc said you know he's he's absolutely right all through my career particularly in salt lake you know in some of the neighborhoods um and when i was a gang detective and such um it was wasn't uncommon for a couple times a shift that um, you know, they'd be on the ball field or the basketball court and the gun belt came off in the trunk and my partner's like, well, what the hell are you doing? I said, we're going to play ball. And it was rumble in the jungle, baby. <laughs> it was the best time. And, you know, a lot of those kids, uh, you know, they, they made it out like I did. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, but yeah, it's it, giving somebody the, a hand up is, is huge to me. Um, and seeing them um, succeed and and reach their full potential is just man it gives me chills just just thinking about that because that that's how i got there was somebody somebody saw that little glimmer of hope and pushed me and 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 drove me and you know the officers that that work with me um i don't say for me because they don't work for me they work for all of us right Mm -hmm. we all carry a case of water snacks in our our cars and um i learned from a uh, commissioner Chuck Ramsey, if you want to Google him, is retired as the commissioner in Philadelphia. And uh, he said, everybody is born with a score of five or something like that. And if you come from a broken family, then then you're a four. You know, if you didn't finish high school, you're a three. And goes down the, the list. And he says, and the last thing, he says, what the conversation was is a young cop, he 
he couldn't figure out why everybody wanted to fight him, right? Every time he went to a scene, everybody wanted to fight him. And uh, so he asked the, the sergeant one day, and he's, so he went through that same scenario with him. And he says, and so you, you're dealing with people down here at once. That last thing that you're trying to take away from them, you know, they, they've lost everything else. It's their dignity. You want to screw with their dignity, fight's on, brother. Fight's <laughs> on. And so that's kind of, I, I take that lesson um, from a, a, a very influential man in law enforcement, and I share that with the, those that I work with every day. You do not mess with somebody. I don't care how bad they messed up. Mm-hmm. You're going to treat them and make sure that they maintain that dignity. Because if you take that away, you're no better than they are. Right. No, oh, that's great. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know if you watch HBO, but the, this this last week they released uh, the uh, this month's episode of Real Sports, and they have. Do you ever watch that? Have yes. you seen it? So you'll find this story very interesting, I think, because as you were telling your story, I was thinking about this uh, police officer in. Uh, where was George Floyd killed? Um, Minneapolis? Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, officer there coaching a football team and the things that he's done for his team. I, I yeah. think you would find real interest yeah. in that. It was, it was a great story. There are a lot of, a lot of parallels between yeah. um, police officers. And, and if you look across the country, I'd say there's probably 25 plus more percent that, that are involved in because they their stories are very similar to mine. Somebody gave them a chance. Yep. They got into a career that gives them a chance to give back. and Yeah, there's yeah. like five police officers that coach the city football team. Turn it yeah. from the losing his team in the area to an undefeated season, right? And yeah. because the police were willing to get involved and take part in the community. And I think that's awesome. Um, so, I don't know. I felt yeah. like you were going to ask a question. I cut you off. I don't know if that's, that's okay. Right I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. It's working out. As we got this relationship. It's totally cool. No, I think what's what's really great, and, and, and the word that's been coming to my mind listening to you talk is without judgment. Um, uh-huh. and, and because I say that because I grew up, I grew up with family members that were on the police force, and I grew up with family members who were on the ass end of the police force. Um, and, and you know, it is what it is. You know, as, as a police officer, daily you see some extremely chaotic stuff. And you talk about people have to try and deal with mental health on a regular basis when you're seeing the worst of the worst every single day on the streets. And, and, and people don't really understand how that impacts not only your life but your family life and trying to keep that from going taking it home and so when i say without judgment you know you're still not judging some of these people and handing a hand out because at the end of the day i always tell people this at the end of the day we're still human beings and our role as a good human being is to serve one another no matter what without judgment and so you know i just you know i want to honor you by you know what you've done and 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 going through your life without judgment and trying to help people because you never know. Like for me, it took like one person that started that spark and fueled that fire for me to go on. Cause I was in a perfect place to like do the same shiz <laughs> that the rest of the, that my family on the other end of the police force was doing. And, and I'm sure if we even talked about it, you probably know half of my family because they were all in the system, but um, you know, but it takes, you know, what I want people to hear is like, you know, go through life without judging absolutely. and we can accomplish so much more, right? Absolutely. absolutely. And yeah, it's, that's what brings, you know, I'm more of a desk jockey than anything else, but 
Um, I still like to get out on the street. The uh, men and women that work with me don't like it because I'm kind of a shit magnet. Um, <laughs> but it always comes out good in the end. You know, it always comes out good, good in the end. And and uh, I love that. I, that's what still drives me is, you know, taking that bad, bad situation, right? Um, and everybody's looking, how, how are we going to... Well, that's easy. That's an easy, easy solution, you know. And uh, as Doc says, um, as an individual, I think you guys should. Um, David Dorsher, he's the uh, director of the Other Side Academy. He needs to be mm-hmm. in this program. Um, he's a very dear friend, and uh, he too was almost a three striker in California, and now he runs the Other Side Academy in mm-hmm. Salt Lake, saving lives daily, nice. daily. And now, you know. He was on that other ass end, like yep. my two older brothers of law enforcement. But now he's like, well, wait a minute, why can't we co- all coexist? And and I love going to that that facility. And those guys are like, I've never had a cop say hello or thank you to me before. And I give this guy a big hug, and he always breaks down in tears. I said, they ain't no different than me or you. You just got better polyester on than I do right now. <laughs> um, and that's that's what it, they, I, I really... That's what it comes down to. And I, I wish more people saw that. This was a, a horrific summer um, last year for for law enforcement. You know, there's always a bad egg in, in every basket, no matter what that profession is. But uh, the majority of us, we're doing it because mm-hmm. we have a love and a passion to make sure that everybody is treated equally. Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, you, you say, you know, a bad egg and then... And in a way, I almost want to kind of disagree because everybody has their breaking point. And, and, and you know, because Certainly. I grew up, again, with both sides, I've seen it and I heard it, you know, firsthand. And I can't imagine, you know, even being a police officer and seeing that stuff every single day. Because I know for me, honestly, I'd have a breaking point and just probably lose it at some point in time. So, again, hats off to you and, and all the other police members out there that do what they do because, you know, again, without you guys, you know, this world could be a whole different place. Um, and, and so, you know, unfortunately things do happen just like they do in the rest of life. And, you know, we got to k- just do the best we can and keep on moving on. So Absolutely. thank you. You said the facility is called the Other Side Academy? The Other Side Academy. I've yeah. Not, I haven't heard of it. What's the gentleman's name? Um, David Dorsher. And uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, it's uh, it's modeled off um, after a, uh, a program in, in uh in California, and I apologize, the name's escaping me, but he's he's in Houston. I just got a uh, little post from him today. He's down in Houston looking at other programs and, hmm. and seeing how he can improve and help others. And, you know, we got a horrendous homeless issue in, in mm-hmm. Utah today that um, many, many struggle how to, how to figure out. And a lot of it comes back to, um, you know, mental health um, issues. And if you look historically back under the Reagan administration, that's when things started to change. Mm-hmm. I almost sound like I know something about history. I don't, <laughs> um, but um, that's when it really started to change. And we're now, you know, many many years later, we're seeing those uh, those effects. And and if you you experience any anything, if you've ever experienced anything, you know, Doc being in the military, um, you know, a lot of cops and and other firefighters, nurses, PTSD is not something that's just associated with the word Vietnam Mm -hmm. as a peer support guy for my entire career with other cops struggling with trials and stuff that's what they all think it's associated with no 
if you if you really break it down and understand it, um, there's very few people in life that go through life without some type of post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they're they're dealing with it. We got to find them an, an avenue. Yeah, we're gonna. Brad's telling us we need to take a little break for the cause here, so we'll take a few minute break and we'll be back. Is this with, where we get coffee? Is this where Brad right? makes? <laughs> this is where Brad lattes breaks out the donuts and lattes. That's right. Foot, foot massages. <laughs> so we'll be back uh, in just a few minutes with Chief Fred Ross. Hello, everyone. This is Brad Newfeld, host of Resilience. You can catch my show every morning at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on the Resilience Talk Network. Tune in to discover what it takes to overcome any challenge that you may face in life. You'll be glad you did. And we're back with Chief Fred Ross. And uh, Fred, thanks again for being here on the podcast. We appreciate you you being here. Thank you all. Man, you've had some great wisdom to share with us. And, you know, I've got a few more questions. I'm sure Bill and Sal do. Uh, I've got one that would be only unique to a law enforcement officer. I think, what's your opinion, and I don't want to be all political or anything, with the duration of, like, of... uh, jail terms for drug offenses versus violent crime it's become a really big issue if that's not too sensitive a topic uh, i no, just, I just no. like to hear from somebody who's been on the street helped a lot of people helped homeless people and not just tried to th- you know throw people away and uh, throw people in the system and throw away the key sure yeah clearly um you know it's a uh it's an illness, right? Mm-hmm. Drug addiction is a, is an illness, um, just like mental illness, and mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, that's been the uh, the answer for law enforcement, right? The, the war on drugs. Um, right, that goes back to your Reagan era. Yeah, thing, we're, right? we're going to lock yeah. everybody up. And and as a young cop, I'm not going to deny that I wasn't wrapped up in that, right? Oh, we're going after the big fish tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, we got 20 pounds. We, uh, um, but the. Uh, the long and the short of that is it's it's a chemical addiction, and uh, fortunately I've I've met many people as I mentioned, um, Dave, um, who experienced that right, and mm-hmm. I come from a, a family that uh, alcoholism is is uh, <laughs> is pretty prevalent, mm-hmm. um, Me too. and so no that's not the that's not the answer um, these long drawn out uh, sentences I, I think we can help people get back on the the right track no is that for everybody no there's not a one-size-fits-all particularly in in that you know in, in the law enforcement profession and, and in the judicial system there's not one and unfortunately that's how we've treated it for mm-hmm. far too long and uh, fortunately maybe one day you'll have hear David's story and and for the grace of uh, a judge just giving him that one extra shot he turned his life around and, and thousands and thousands of lives as well. So, you know, I, no, I don't think, uh, you know, these 30-year sentences because you had, you know, five pounds of pot, you know, under the, the your spare tire in your, your Buick. <laughs> what are you driving? 79 Buick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I can fit about six or 700 pounds in the trunk. <laughs> um, you know, there's... 
Right, and and you look at a lot of that. Right, those that those that that, that need the help, they're on the streets every day in Salt Lake City. I could I could we could go down there right now, right? Yep. And they're smoking spice and they're mm-hmm. tripping and falling and laying in the streets and right. Putting them in jail is not going to make a difference to them. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's three hots and a cot or yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, that's that's not the answer. And those that are that are running the drugs, right? They're doing it because they're trying to get make money so they can put food on the table for their children, right? It's there's 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 pieces and parts of that that need to be addressed, and it's not all one size fits all. And so, hopefully, sure. that answers it a little bit, Brett. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you you talked a lot about making sure people keep their dignity, and I think personally, the way I see it, not ever having been a police officer, been on the street, but. We need to help these people maintain their dignity and give them something to strive for and, and do more for, and not, you know, make them, you know, make their kids orphans because they're off in jail or whatever. Yeah, so. Absolutely, and and I, you, I I go back to this this project that I started, job a day, right? What what really helps define who an individual is? Um, a lot of it comes down to what you wake up and do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily defining you, but that gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of pride. And, right. you know, um, and kind of hard for me to say, and especially um, Doc say, right? We grew up doing all that hard labor and making that 25 cents an hour or whatever. Now what the hell do we do with our kids? Spoil right. the shit out of them. <laughs> I'm not that old, bro. I didn't make 25 cents an hour. I'm still a little younger than 265. you. 265. Okay, let's yeah, be honest. That's better. It was 265 an hour. 265 yeah. an hour. Yeah. You brought up Job a Day a couple of times. Could you just explain a little bit more what you did with that? I mean, yeah, you know, and I, I still I still have that still have that philosophy and and uh, you know how important uh, a job is. Um, so I, I, these people were just, they were on the street. We, you all knew where it was at, Rio Grande, and, mm-hmm. and the, um, the road home, it's not there anymore, but there's still people down there, and they'd have to queue up, right, because they'd kick you out every morning, and, and so you, then you had to stay back in line, right, which is absolutely absurd, to get back in. And, uh, and they're sitting there all day, and, but there's people that are there because they're legitimately homeless from medical bills or whatever, right? They're not there. Mm-hmm. peddling dope using dope whatever they're legitimately homeless and but for whatever reason they didn't have an id or something they couldn't get a, a gainful employment through a temp agency or something so we partnered with a, a couple places um and they gave them uh jobs we would pick them up in a in a 15 passenger van it didn't say you know salt Lake metro gel on it or anything and and i would drive i'd come in early to work and and uh, the guys that worked with me we were committed to doing this, and it got them away from that element, gave mm-hmm. them a chance um, to have purpose for that eight or ten hours that day, and uh, and those that were in it, man, a lot of them, it was just that little glimmer of hope that they needed, and they're out, they're on their own, they're self-sufficient, and self-sufficiency is a is a huge deal, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they've made it a lot of a lot of success stories there, so. That's awesome. I think that that makes me tear up just thinking about that. Seriously, that's cool. It's funny, I, and I stay in contact with so many of them. They'll they'll pop up to the police department, and everybody's like, hey, there's some homeless guy downstairs asking for him. I'm like, oh, that's Bob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's one that's a, he's a long-haul truck driver, and we got a long history, right? Yeah, I'll admit it. I've loaned him money many, many times, as you know, many cops do. 
and uh, but he calls me all the time to give me news. You know, he's hey, I'm in Mississippi, and guess what? And da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, and, and uh, still owes me a, a little <laughs> few dollars. <laughs> he's committed to pay for, it and and I know he will. I don't yeah. care, but he he's doing better for himself. He you know he got a CDL, and he's out there making a difference in his life. And it was just because I didn't treat him like a you know a dog on the street. He, yeah. He's a, he's somebody. He's somebody's child. He's somebody's brother, and that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we're all about that. that I mean, if you can help somebody, I, I've been with all these guys. When Brad and I have spoken to kids, and Sal and Bill, and we've, we've, uh, we've all worked with people and and taught with each other, and and uh, that's what makes you limitless. That's why you're here. I knew that I I knew we'd find that one little thing. It, it, not little thing. It's a big thing, and. That's just amazing. I think that's great. So congratulations for what you've done and the impact that you've made on so many people's lives. So thank you. That's, yeah. That's so and you know, and that's the thing with. Um, I don't even know where I was going. Damn it. Because um, you're getting old. I am. I just turned fifty. <laughs> well, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday! Yeah, that's right. Happy that's birthday! Right. Yeah. Happy fifty seventh birthday. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I thought he was 61. Stab you in the pit. No, that's where I was going with You it's know, 53, it, by the way. There's nothing wrong with 53. Right. It's a beautiful age. Whatever. It's like right. with 10 years of anniversary. But anyway. <laughs> no, that, you know, I, I did remember my train of thought. I took my Geritol this morning. But um, what Fred does and, like, what the, the choices, like, everybody in this room has been faced with so much adversity. And the choices that are made, now they're not always easy. They're not always mm -hmm. independent. Sometimes we need help. But from his childhood and his adversity and what he learned, he could have easily just been straight up douchebag, but he wasn't. He, he, he made the decision to, to give back and to do something and to help people. And, and everybody out there in limitless land, this is what this is about. We have decisions. We have choices. And it really goes back to it's up to you. And, and Fred is iconic of that. And so that's why I'm, Fred, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely grateful that you came on because I think your, your history and your, le your message is so powerful and people could probably learn from it. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, and I mean, it was cool, like off, off line, we talked a little bit about he actually, we were, we were joking about that he probably knows some of my family members and fortunately he knows one that's on the police side and he's like, oh yeah, I rode with him and mentioned some things. I'm like, yep, that's my uncle, which is awesome. But, you know, obviously we're talking about, you know, quite a bit about homeless and, and what I want to communicate to people um, and, and possibly some of the reasons why you did and do some things you do is that, you know, people that are homeless, it's we're all human beings and any one of us could be literally one event away from being homeless. And I've, this will be probably the first time I've ever admitted this, but you know, when I retired from the Olympics, I actually ended up being homeless and I had to go to the road home and help get my ID and all that stuff. And so I want people again, without judgment to understand that this could happen to anybody. Absolutely. And you know, by you doing some of the things you do and, and you know, getting one job a day, sometimes that's all they need is just, and, and is it a, handing them a handout sometimes? Yeah, it is. But sometimes when your mental capacity is so overfilled with whatever happened in your life and Absolutely. you don't have the capacity to even literally get up that day and do anything, it's hard, man. And I know it because I've been there. And so, you know, people out there, again, without judgment, 
you know, don't judge these people because they're homeless and you see the bad part of the homelessness. You know, judge them as just being a human being and sometimes they just need a little help. And, you know, I'm not saying you have to go give them money or anything like that, but, you know, don't don't turn your back to somebody who's a good human being and just needs a little bit of help. And so, again, thank you for all that you've done and what you continue to do in the community. Yeah, I think there's a saying, um, and I'll probably misquote it, but um, there for the grace of God I go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, go ahead. No, I, I, you know, over the years, a lot of people ask why, you know, in the in the policing world, and particularly in Salt Lake, nobody volunteers to go work at Rio Grande. Oh, and, you know. <laughs> and, and I, I question myself, but I now I look back and I'm like, that was my calling. Mm-hmm. That was my calling, and, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, there's still a lot of struggles and and trials and tribulations surrounding that, and, you know, we're we're not your typical municipal type police department, but I'm so blessed to work with the men and women that I do because they all carry that same um, philosophy and desire to to help people and and uh, I tell them man you you are in the right spot to to do that um, when it's 102 degrees outside right mm-hmm. where do they go they jump on the train with the air conditioning <laughs> right and there's a lot of people that, that don't like that and I'm like well what other option do they have? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it's 32 degrees outside. Yeah, a lady called me the other day. She says, hey, we knit caps for uh, for people. And, and last time we did it, we gave them to a shelter. And we all left there feeling like, oh, they're just going to put them in a, in a closet. She says, can you help? I said, oh, bring them down. And I kind of gave her a little history of, you know, some of the things that we do. And she's mm-hmm. she's just absolutely ecstatic. And, you know, that's that's a mark of a of a great cop is is somebody I, i'll give you an story i'm gonna even gonna mention his name because he was a former partner and he followed me to to uta sean wahongi you know his brother jared um over on north temple uh right by you know that you know <laughs> ninth west eighth west that yeah. block right there right um notorious there was a lady on the platform and she was having a little bit of a mental breakdown and she didn't have any shoes she lost her shoes Officer Sean Mahongi literally took off his shoes that he was wearing and gave them to that lady and walked off to get into his car with no shoes. That's that's awesome. that's, that's that a foundation awesome. of a awesome human being right there. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what makes you make every day, right? We could all be greedy SOBs and, and take everything, but man, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things Fred hasn't mentioned, and I'm going to bring it up because it was my first glimpse into, I say, his soul. He's over at St. Vinny's. Oh, God, we're in trouble. Right, uh, <laughs> it's a good part, right? Not the bad. I, I kind of weeded through the bad stuff. It was kind of scary. But Thanks, Doc. No, but over at St. Vinny's, I think it's a shelter, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was when Utah was having those 120 days or 110-degree weathers downtown. Yeah. And Fred did a water drive. Water. Yeah. Like people were bringing cases of water, and mm-hmm. I don't know what we hit. You hit your goal. I know you did because yeah. the whole a quarter of the parking lot was filled with water, water bottles. And so, again, that's who we're talking to. That's the kind of person right now. It's it's others first. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Can I just? Yeah, I know please. time is always of the essence, but I'm gonna just I'll give you a little backstory of that. And I, I know we, I shared this with you, Doc, but um, my oldest Abby. 18, soon to be 19 in a couple days, 
we were sitting in the car waiting for um, her younger siblings, our twins, um, my twins, um, Jack and Anna, at a basketball workout, and it was just scorching hot. And we were talking about it, and I'm like, yeah, Ab, I said, can you imagine if you were down on Rio Grande Street right now? And she's like, Dad, we need to do something. And so we did, and we called it Water Works. And we put it out there, and uh, man, it was it was an incredible. We, I can't remember how many pallets. I think our goal was 100,000 bottles, or no, it was 10,000 bottles, I, I forget, but... Man, you know, people from out of, from everywhere, it, it dawned on them to, to do it. And unfortunately, you know, St. Vinny's, now that they're separated in three shelters, have, have changed a little bit. But, um, yeah, thanks, Doc, for that reminder. Water Works was a, was a great, uh, I mean, a bottle of water. Where do you go in the streets of downtown? It ain't like uh, some of these other big cities where they have drinking fountains everywhere, mm-hmm. right? No. And how many businesses are going to let you in there to, you yeah. know, fill your water bottle up in their bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Sad. And it's even a testament to Fred being a parent, you know, teaching his kids to be better human beings. So, Absolutely. my hat's off to you, Freddie. Thanks, Doc. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you're our third podcast interview today, just today, and we've done a lot with other people, but there's some very common traits that come up, and you brought them all up, and I just thought I'd share them for our listeners, uh, if this is their first podcast, and for the guys, because I don't know if you were tracking the commonalities that hit every single person uh, that we talked about today. But if you remember, everybody talked about the importance of humility. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that a ton. Um, you started working about age 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you notice, everybody started working at like age 12. I know I did mowing yeah. lawns. And, oh, yeah. And uh, I think everybody did that. Uh, you wanted to do something to prove you could above adversity. We all came from that same spot. Um, you know, that, that overcoming adversity. Uh, the one thing I guess we didn't really talk about too much, but was your support structure. You know, mom was there, dad wasn't there, but as you progressed, you must have a pretty good support structure at the police department with the family that you have now. I mean, is that accurate? Would you expand on that a little bit? Wow, thank you. Um, and, you know, as I was thinking a few minutes ago at the break, um, the stalwart of my family um, that really... Right, that I goes back to my mother and mm-hmm. uh, the work ethic that she taught me. She's 87 years old. She's in an assisted living facility now. Just got her second COVID shot yesterday, so <laughs> hopefully she'll be around a little bit more. And I want to get back and enjoy some some um, afternoons talking about the old times with her. But Absolutely. she was the one. Um, while she first time I broke my ankle playing ball, she wouldn't take me to the hospital because she thought I was faking. Um, <laughs> rub some dirt on it. Yeah, you that is were. exactly. Yeah. Rub some, rub some dirt on it. Get your ass back out there, Freddie. Um, but she, she, she taught me the love of of reading and books. School's never been my thing. Um, I was fifty when I went back and got a, a master's degree, and that was just to prove to my kids that I could do it. I'm going back. I just got accepted to Dartmouth Business School. Congratulations. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family structure, right? Coming from, you know, the social aspect and dating and all that, I went many, many years um, just dating, and and I was, I I refer to it as abandonment. Um, mm-hmm. I suffered from abandonment issues, as we all probably do mm-hmm. did at some point, right? Another probably common theme there. <laughs> so I I was very fearful of a re- getting into a relationship because I was afraid they were going to leave me. 
And so I would always sabotage that relationship. And finally, I met my wife who, um, God bless her, um, greatest woman on, on the land. And and uh, she shoots almost as good as Doc, if not better. Um, she's a colonel in the United she, States Air she Force. She outranks Fred. Yeah, she, so. does out, she does outrank me at home and at work now. Um, but, you know, we met and uh, there was an instant spark. And, and I knew at that part, it's kind of funny to say, but um, we got engaged on our second date. That's awesome. Well, who would have wow. ever thought, right? I, I just knew... Hey, wait a minute. She she was a lieutenant in the Air Force. She was a stockbroker. And then I asked her, do you know any cops? No. Do you know where the police station is? No. You can spell police though, right? Yeah. You want to get married? <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, she is she's the, the mother of my three beautiful children. And uh, I'm I'm blessed. And and you know, the relationship with just because my mother's older now and, and mm-hmm. we're not as close, but a day doesn't go by. She and she tells me, "Yeah, I told you so. I told you so." She's she's never wrong. She's never wrong. And, and he said that off camera too. So he was. Uh, yeah, no. She's. <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell you what. And and I love it. Is is we're getting a little older. You know, our last very two at home. Little older. Yeah, just very little older. Yeah. Um, she's a month and one day older than me, so I, I kind of give her crap, but. Um, trying to just figure out where what's the next path after our kids graduate in two years mm-hmm. and uh this summer we're, we're sitting at opposite ends of the patio and i said hey what are we going to do in two and a half years she says we're selling this house and we're going to go travel i'm like oh okay um pretty cool but she's she's uh she's so everything she does she's extremely passionate about it as well mm-hmm. and uh you know, it takes a great partner to be able to achieve some of the things you do in life. Mm-hmm. And without her, I come up with some crazy ideas. Let me tell you, <laughs> some crazy ideas. <laughs> and I, I, I know Monica says the same thing yeah. about Doc. Mm. Some crazy ideas. Yeah, um, and usually my name and Bill's name and Mark's name right? come up. And she goes, "Are yeah. you sure?" <laughs> but yeah. you, you look at it right. I, I don't read anything but autobiographies of. Successful people, and yeah. one of the commonalities there of those successful people is they don't have anything. You know, I've owned a ton of businesses, small businesses, mm-hmm. and I uh, still have a few, and they're more hobbies, is what she calls them. Um, but I'm waiting for that time um, when I retire, and I can put 100% into that, right? That's how successful entrepreneurs they have no other option, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, my mother and my wife and and you know my children play uh, an integral role in in who I am today. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Do you, I mean, who's got? No, I was just going to say that's or? that's one thing you need to write down as well. The commonality is you got a woman that's behind you one hundred percent. No, I, I mean <laughs> because if not, we're all we're all like sitting at home right now, right? dusting and cleaning up. Right. <laughs> No, I, I, I wanted to, you know, if I could, real briefly, you know, that's one of the things I always get asked, too, because of how I did grow up with my mom. And, you know, people would look at that like she was a drug addict. She was the one who was running the streets and the prostitution and all that stuff. And I remember years back I was doing a speaking engagement for Verizon Wireless. And after my whole presentation, one guy's like, aren't you so pissed off and dis- disappointed and mad at your mom for all the shit she put you through? 
and I'm on stage in front of 5,000 executives and, and what seemed like forever, you know, out of nowhere, I said, you know what, if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And you just felt that wave go across the crowd. And I mic dropped and I walked off stage, <laughs> you know. Amen, so. brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else from, I've got my standard last couple of questions, but. Uh, no, I just I hope everybody understands the message that we're trying to we're trying to really yeah. send, and we all have different backgrounds. But when you get down to nuts and bolts of it, it's adversity, it's overcoming it, it's believing in yourself, and and making the decision. So, yeah. and I think you know everybody we've had on today, including Fred, and um, many more come. Yeah, it's they've illustrated that. So. Absolutely. Again, thanks, Fred. I really, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank well, you. Thank you, guys. This is. We'd love to meet uh, or an introduction to David Dorsher. Absolutely. I think that would, I think that could be really cool. Another person. Um, you know, we these guys don't even know I'm going to say this, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about about half of the first second in, uh, podcast today and today's. We're working on a membership site that's specifically for people who want to learn uh, self-reliance and confidence skills. And we've, you know, between Mark, Sal, Bill, and I, we've got a really diverse background and have achieved some stuff from nowhere. Um, would you consider contributing to that site? Absolutely. Giving some people some leadership, some humanity, some maybe some empathy. I mean, you've got a lot to offer. And just, so you could say no. I'm putting you on the spot. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, that's uh, I, everything that I do, um, and I, one of my one of my businesses, um, the is it's unique but it, it it has a i believe every business has to have um, to be successful has to have what i call um a social give back mm -hmm. um, absolutely and if you don't do that you know you're greedy anyway yeah <laughs> um you have to have that to be successful and so yeah i'm 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 in awe about what you you gentlemen are doing it, i think it's it's absolutely incredible and I'm pissed that Doc didn't tell me about this sooner. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you 100%. I've had a martial arts school in Sandy for 20, 25 years, August 4th. And it's always been part of our philosophy to uh, give back. So we have specific awards for our students who do social, uh, who, who do help out in the community in some way. And uh, for a while I had a nonprofit for the prevention of child abuse. and. And uh, this year at Christmas time, we did our annual toy drive. We almost didn't do it because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sharing this because of, the, I think, because of the message, not because it was how fabulous or whatever. But we almost didn't do it. We thought there's so many people, hard times, and and people are scattered. And, and my wife and I really, we really talked about it for a few days. And we said, you know what? We can't let COVID stop something. Even if we only raised 10 toys, 100 bucks, it's still 100 bucks more than we would have got. The generosity of people never ceased to amaze me. We raised over $5,300 worth of toys wow. that we gave away this Christmas again. It wasn't our biggest year, but it was a solid year. And that put us over like $301,000 in stuff that we have raised. In our, I say we. It's my students, right? Yeah. That's the one thing that we try and impart on them is you've got to be a good human being. You can have the best physical skills in the world, and you can and you can do lots of things but you can't get a black belt in our school if you don't do something for community service and you don't have really good grades and show leadership you just it's not going to happen we don't allow it and um 
you know, things like you're doing, I want my students to be involved in that kind of thing, to at least know you and what the stuff that you do so they can see an option of other people that are, you know, pillars in the community. You'd be a great example for that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so with that being said, did you have a question? No, that's it. Um, somebody that needed a piece of motivation, a little inspiration, what would be your piece of advice? This is where I, we get a little soundbite wisdom from you. <laughs> Boy, that's tough because there's there's so many of it. Um, you know, one of the one of my favorite um, and I quotes, I guess, personal quotes is and is you know I interact with so many people and usually it's in a negative mm-hmm. situation, but I firmly believe because this is how um, my life has come to be and how I live my life is everybody makes mistakes. It's what you do after those mistakes that really determine what kind of a person you are. Yep. And uh, while that doesn't really fit in with what you're saying, um, you know, that's that's kind of the guiding light and, and that I share with <clears throat> with everyone, even my even my children, right? Now nah, you, you gotta, you'll be minus. Not the end of the world, but what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do um, after that? And, but what really drives me and, and the motivation um, that drives me, um, and I hope that that maybe people can take away from listening to me is, man, when somebody tells you you can't do something, I tell my kids this, and I, I, I maybe I shouldn't admit this, but give them the double barrel, baby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they tell you you can't do it, man, mm-hmm. I'm coming at you full bore, mm-hmm. right? I never thought I was going to get a master's degree, but then my wife got hers, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm driving home from St. George, and I get this ad on my phone. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Yeah. And fortunately, you know, it, it made sense because she still had money off her GI bill. It didn't cost me a dime, right? And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it was the, I had the best 18 months doing that. And now I'm like, I don't put nothing on my business card or anything like some people, but I'm like, that's cool. I got a master's degree and I, I see it. And then I, I look at what I want to do in the future in life. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll go get a PhD. It wasn't that hard. It was just about sticking to it. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that, right? And my one, my high school coach came back this summer to have a barbecue at my daughter's high school graduation party. And, and he chuckles. He's like, man, yeah, there was, there were, I had, I had other staff members in the school tell me, why are you wasting your time on him? He ain't going to be anything. He says, now nah, I just get to give him the double barrel. Double barrel. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That's so awesome. when, let somebody tell you you can't do it and then go out and just knock it out of the park. Man. Give them a knock double it. barrel first. Give, yeah, give them a double <laughs> barrel and, and then just sit back. Um, and the, the other quote that I really, really love and I, I share often, and I, I'm not sure that I, I like one word in it, but it comes out of the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt about the old Oakland A's mm-hmm. um, and their mm-hmm. run. Um, to the World Series, right? He was very non-conventional in, mm-hmm. in throughout there. Billy Bean. Billy Bean, thank you. Um, and he says, when your enemies, and I don't, that's a strong, strong word that I'm not sure that I, I like, but when your competition or your foe or whatever it is, when they're making mistakes, don't interrupt them, man. <laughs> Let them keep going. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
Yes, that's the same thing. When they're doubting you, let them keep doubting you. Let them keep throwing you that thing. Let them put that that message, you know, on social media or whatever. And then when it's all said and done, give them the double barrel, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And the mic drop. (laughs) Boom. Uh, Awesome. Well, uh, Fred, tell how people they can tell our listeners, people that see this, how they can kind of uh, get involved in your world, uh, whether that's uh, an event you've got going on, some way they can help one of your causes, website, whatever you got going. Just fill us in. If there oh, is boy. Anything, if <laughs> As Doc told you before we started, man, I'm all over the place. Um, you know, I one of the projects that I've, I've got running right now, and I'm very excited because we're we're about 30 days away from um, expansion, which will um, really help uh, more. But um, it's called the, the Salt Lake Sports Academy. It's just over here in South Salt Lake. It's in an older warehouse, but it's a basketball um, training facility. I've got a, a deep passion for um, the old round ball, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what helped save my life. And uh, so, you know, every opportunity that I have, I'm in there working with kids, my own kids. And... Uh, you know, fortunately, it's it's coming that uh, that we have the opportunity to expand it, and, and we'll be able to start doing some speed and agility work and stuff. But if you really want to get involved, um, find that person in your neighborhood. Um, you know, not just for me, but for for you as an individual. Find that that person in that neighborhood that may be walking down the street and not looking up, and say hello. Mm-hmm. How you doing today, Mrs. Smith? Hey, Mr. Jones. Step out of your comfort zone, and uh, and you'll be amazed what it'll do for you as an individual, right? Getting out of that comfort zone, and uh, and the simple things in in life, right? I'd love to go to the grocery store, and when I check out, I love to say thank you, have a great day, and they look mm-hmm. at me like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, have a great day, thank you. Uh, those are things, right, that we all grew up with that are fading in today's society. Do those things, and, and you are going to be beyond successful. The website, is it saltlakesportsacademy.com? Do you have a website? Yeah, yeah, I, I turned it off with the whole COVID thing, but uh, <laughs> the easiest way to reach me is just my personal, rfredross at msn.com. And, and, uh, Say that one more time. R, R like R, the letter R. Yeah, yeah. Um, for... Uh, I don't know what that's for. <laughs> Our Fred Ross at MSN.com. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, with that being said, uh, for Team Limitless, for Sal, Bill, myself, Mark, who's off uh, hunting fishing and hunting hogs somewhere, doing whatever he's doing. Um, we'll see you next time. And if you have any guests that you'd like us to have on the show, send me an email, brett at brettlechtenberg.com, as we get our Operation Limitless emails all worked out everybody here will have an email address so thank you very much chief we appreciate you being here you're somebody we truly consider to be one yeah thank you